Just One More with Joanna and Daphne, a fitness and nutrition podcast for normal people who want to be more awesome. If you have trouble deciding between Just One More Cupcake and Just One More Kettlebell Swing, this is the podcast for you. I'm Joanna Shaw-Flamm. I'm an actor, a comedian, and a normal person. And I'm Daphne Yang. I'm a certified personal trainer, certified nutrition counselor, and the creator of Hit It, New York's ultimate high-intensity interval training workout. Before we begin, remember to talk to your doctor or medical practitioner before starting any workout or nutrition plan. Um, Do you have things that you'd like us to talk about on the show? If you do, uh, please send us your questions. We love talking about things that we know you want to hear about because then we know you'll listen. Um, And it also gives us new ideas. You know, Daphne and I can sit here in our podcast hut forever thinking of uh, things we think are interesting but we want to know what you want to know about. So send us questions. You can email us at info at justonemorepodcast.com or you can message us on various social media. You can, um, on Instagram and Twitter, we're at justonemorepod. And on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash justonemorepodcast. Any way you send us a question, we will be happy to receive it and would love to talk about it on the show. Uh, So yeah, send us your questions. I love how you called it a podcast hut. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it is. It's, it's our, our little, our nook. little uh, nook in, in the financial <laughs> district. Our uh, little hut in the thigh dye. Exactly. Uh, well, today we're going to talk about something um, that uh, I'm sort of surprised we've never talked about because it's in our logo and I say it every week, uh, which is kettlebells. Um, and, uh, so I wanted to talk about what kettlebells are, where they came from, because in my life, it sort of seemed like they came out of nowhere. Um, and all of a sudden was like a thing that we were supposed to know how to use and why to use them. Uh, and I don't know those things. Um, but I figured that you might. Um, so we're going to be talking about kettlebells, where they came from, what they're for, um, why we might use them instead of something else. Um, and then you're going to give us some ideas for kettlebell exercises, uh, which will make working out fun and, uh, exciting. Yeah. I realized that in terms of, well, kettlebells themselves sometimes appear a little intimidating in the sense that sometimes they look intimidating. And then if you've never been either taught how to use one, or if you don't necessarily know how to properly use one, why kettlebells can just be why people end up avoiding them. And then you're right. Our logo (laughs) is a kettlebell. Yeah. So I think it's very appropriate. We're doing this episode. Kettlebells are definitely one of my favorite modalities to train with, and I'm super excited to talk about them. I feel like one of the reasons that kettlebells have not been or like weren't as much a part of my world was because they tend, because they're not actually new. They just felt new to me. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, I think part of it is that they come in more from the sort of like masculine weight training side, which um, until I was an adult and was like, oh, strength training is also for girls. Um, I didn't, you know, I didn't know anything about it. Um, yeah. So uh, it's possible that if you're like a 60 year old man, you're like, what do you mean they don't know what kettlebells are? Yeah, um, very true. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so where did kettlebells come from? Well, so kettlebells are actually. Maybe we should, I, I, maybe I, we should physically describe one. Yeah, first. Let's, let's talk about what a kettlebell is yeah. first. So a kettlebell is a solid mass of weight that has a handle on it. So understanding the kettlebell, it, it, it's, you're almost thinking of a bowling ball with a handle and no holes and much heavier. And uh, the weight is always listed on the kettlebell. Uh, traditionally, the weight has always been listed in kilograms. And then in this day and age, I feel like now you can get kettlebells with the actual pound on them. Uh, so generally, kettlebells have, they've traditionally been iron or a really heavy material. And then now a lot of times kettlebells have a rubber coating on them to make them seem and appear and feel a little bit more comfortable and accessible. But that being said, the, the handle is always a steel slash iron grip. 
So I, it has a smooth, it has to be smooth. It cannot be rubber. Um, if you, I realize that anyone who's listening to this podcast is like one click away from a drawing of a kettlebell because it's in our logo. So yeah. in, our, in our logo, you can see uh, what one looks like or what, what an illustration of one looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So kettlebells, you know how oftentimes I talk about how modern day gyms haven't even really been that popular. Like I would say modern day gyms or the gym culture. Uh, yeah, I know there was a big weightlifting culture way back a few decades ago, but I would actually say traditional gym culture is kind of a recent thing. Uh, that being said, kettlebells actually go back to the 1700s. Whoa. So yeah, before our classes and before Jane Fonda aerobics and before high intensity interval training and before pretty much any type of training that is very prevalent nowadays, kettlebells have existed prior to that. So kettlebells are Russian. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. So essentially way back in the day, we're talking early 1700s. The research states that, that farmers had created this kind of heavy steel ball with a handle to help them measure out crops. So you know how back in the day, if you have a scale, it's like you have, uh, you know, imagine like Lady Justice and there's that like scale and there's one side and the other side. And so the kettlebells were used as counterweights to measure out their crops. They were used so they, as they, weights for weighing things. For weighing things. Yeah, yeah they were totally. never meant for, yeah, they were never meant for, um, they were never meant for working out. Yeah, because but, also, like, was there working out at that time? Like, exactly. I, f- I feel like your life was hard enough. You didn't need yeah. to exercise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I feel like in the 1700s, if people were thinking to themselves, I'm going to devote an hour of my day to intentionally expend as much energy as possible, people would be like, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, honestly, like, there are parts of the world today in which that's that still is, true. That is, that is totally totally still true so that's something I always like have to respect like just the privilege of our our lives and (laughs) our need to expend energy separate conversation anywho so um the (laughs) the farmers were bored and they had heavy they had this heavy object so what happened was the farmers started swinging these things around and all of a sudden yeah like you do they got stronger and healthier and they um, essentially they became very fit farmers of the 1700s. Wow. So that is how. That's my favorite show on Bravo. (laughs) (laughs) Very fit farmers of the 1700s. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I mean, that has to be an Instagram post, doesn't it? It, Yeah, I think so. I'll work. Yeah. I'll work out some photoshopping of some sexy Sounds farmers, great. some sexy old school <laughs> Russian farmers. Perfect. So then, so the farmers started this, and then there was a guy, and his name is Vladislav Krevsky. Of course, so it was. he is the big name in the world of kettlebell training. So it was actually in the 1800s. He was the one who who started to enter this world of, of I would say, almost like bodybuilding of barbell and kettlebell training. And um, so essentially everything originated in Russia. You see, uh, like, this is somehow the documented history that they have, (laughs) which is so great that this is known. So we can really see that at this era, at this time, in the 1700s and the 1800s, people were already picking up on these functional movements and they were figuring out the benefits of having weight and resistance during this time, weight and resistance, but that was also unstable. So we'll be talking about the difference between a kettlebell and a dumbbell in a little bit, but that is the history of kettlebell training. And nowadays it is used, it it is used, the UC kettlebells in pretty much every single gym and kettlebell training and kettlebell exercises and kettlebell classes and incorporating kettlebells into one's workout routine have become very 
popular and 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 i think that that, i think yeah yeah definitely definitely more mainstream the beauty of kettlebell training is for many things that you would traditionally do with a dumbbell you can actually do with a kettlebell that being said the kettlebell and it's swingy kind of um the, the the handle and the ball that can, can that is attached to this handle the kettlebell creates momentum so there are so many specific exercises that are just really done best with the kettlebell which I'll talk about in a little bit I think I also saw that like um kettlebell training has both in Russia and in the U.S. has often been connected to military training which makes sense mm-hmm. because even in a time before like people were like working on their fitness to like be sexy or whatever. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. lots, uh, obviously both, uh, Russia and the U S have had, uh, large militaries at various points in history. And, yeah. um, it does make sense that like, um, those groups would be doing weight training, even if the general population wasn't. And then people from who had military experience then sort of like, enter back into civilian culture and they bring this thing with them. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's interesting to think about like, uh, the, the paths these things take into our modern gyms. Yeah, definitely. And how they become mainstream. So, so very quickly. And sometimes it seems like all of a sudden. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so now we're using kettlebells. Us okay, normal yeah, people so, in gyms. No, no, us normal people are using kettlebells in gyms. I feel like kettlebells are making appearances in classes. And even from what I've seen just on YouTube and different maybe online fitness channels, at-home workouts, it's getting to the point now where you could literally buy or do a fitness DVD or do a workout and get a video off of YouTube. And the person will say, like, great, and grab, like, two light dumbbells and a kettlebell if you have one. Like, that's how mainstream it's becoming, where even even just fitness videos will just say, you know, if you have one, because a lot of people, because you can order one very easily to your home. Um, so, yeah. So, kettlebells let's, are awesome. Let's and, talk a little bit about, like, why what's the difference between them and regular dumbbells? Because often when like I have, you know, been taught how to do some kettlebell exercises and like, I can see that they work, but then sometimes Mm -hmm. I'm standing at the gym and I'm like looking at the rack of regular dumbbells and then looking at the rack of kettlebells. I'm like, these things are the same weight. Which thing do I Mm -hmm. use and why? Yeah. So here it is. The biggest difference between kettlebells and dumbbells is that the weight of a kettlebell is offset and unbalanced. So the handle of the kettlebell weighs much less, obviously, than the ball of the kettlebell, um, whereas dumbbells are balanced from end to end. Right. So dumbbells, you feel much steadier, much more stable. Um, They do not necessarily swing in your hand. Once you have a grip on a dumbbell, for the most part, it's, it's in your hand. The great thing about kettlebells is kettlebells are unstable and they are unbalanced. And as a result, when we do exercises with kettlebells, just like when we do any type of exercise on maybe an unstable surface, it forces your body to stabilize. It forces your muscles to work harder to stabilize. It's the same thing with the kettlebell versus a dumbbell. So if you're doing work with kettlebells, a big part of the movement, whatever exercise it is you're doing, is you have to brace so many extra muscles because you have this weight that is swinging back and forth and it forces all these intrinsic muscles, all these extra muscles that wouldn't necessarily be working or activated if you were doing the same exercise with a dumbbell. Um, I'm just gonna give you two examples. So doing a shoulder press with a kettlebell is much more challenging than just doing one with a dumbbell. And one of the main reasons is when you're doing a dumbbell for the mo- when you're doing a dumbbell shoulder press for the most part, it's pretty easy to just keep your wrist um, straight. Whereas when you're doing it with a kettlebell, 
you have to force so many extra stabilizer muscles in your forearms, in your shoulders, even in your fingers to keep your hand and wrist from like bending kind of backwards uh, or like over flexing it. So it's unstable. It's unbalanced. Uh, there's momentum with a lot of other kettlebell exercises. And as a result, it forces your body to work that much harder. It's so, funny, being unbalanced and unstable sounds like a bad thing, but actually, mm-hmm. <laughs> in terms yeah. of working out, it's a good thing because since the weight isn't stable, our bodies have to be the stabilizing force, and then exactly. that recruits more muscles. Yeah, and I think that's why some people have been slightly intimidated by kettlebells, because they may have heard that people have maybe hurt themselves using kettlebells, or maybe their lower back was bothering them after doing a kettlebell move. Um, so, which can all be very easily prevented and fixed. Um, there's no more, there's no more likelihood of hurting yourself doing a kettlebell move than there is a a dumbbell move. Uh, when you are practicing good form and I'll go over all the form mechanics and basics in a little bit, but if, if everything is perfect with your form, then the likelihood of hurting yourself with any type of exercise, kettlebells, dumbbells, gym machines, anything is far greatly reduced. So I think what's happening is when people are talking about quote unquote injuries that come from kettlebell movements, it's because so many muscles are working at the same time and perhaps people are not activating and stabilizing their core, perhaps the way they should be, um, or they're not holding their wrists the way they should be because of this kind of wobbly, unstable weight. Uh, Another big difference between kettlebells and dumbbells is I'm just going to give you an example. Um, so you can do a bicep curl with a dumbbell, which is, or, which is great. You know, like I love a bicep curl with a dumbbell. I do them myself and you're working, you know, maybe one or two muscles surrounding the biceps. However, there are certain moves in the world of kettlebell training, um, uh, in which you, can work your biceps and your entire body at the same time. So this is when we start to get into these really traditional moves that are called swings and um, a jerk and a clean and a press and a snatch. And those are all things you can do with a barbell, but those are also all things you can do with kettlebell. So when you do these big technical traditional powerlifting moves, like all these things might sound a little intimidating. It was actually very recently until I dove into this world of, you know, kettlebell swings and jerks and cleans. And I'll talk about each one in a little bit, but actually those techniques have existed prior to hit bar classes, you know, all the things that are very popular now. So Cool. Well, um, maybe yeah. maybe we should talk about some of your favorite kettlebell exercises and how to do them correctly mm-hmm. um, yeah. so that uh, we can get inspired for our next trip to the gym. Yeah. So the one of the reasons why kettlebells are fantastic and my one of my most favorite ways to train is because for the majority of kettlebell exercises, you really are working so many different muscle groups all in one move. So you really are getting a total body workout just with a few key, key kettlebell exercises. Another thing too, is that when you're doing kettlebell exercises, you are getting your heart rate up. So the metabolic conditioning of this is, I mean, insurmountable. Like it's your heart rate is going to be up very high and kettlebell workouts are generally very efficient in the sense that oftentimes if someone were to do just a kettlebell workout, you wouldn't necessarily do a kettlebell workout for say an hour um, it'd be much shorter. I like that. And yeah, yeah, we like that. And, uh, another thing I do want to stress before I start talking about my favorite kettlebell moves is this might sound weird, but it's actually more dangerous to use a kettlebell that's too light. Mm, why is so, that? Mm-hmm, so kettlebells are meant to be they're meant to be heavy because you're meant to be recruiting the big muscle groups like your glutes and your hamstrings and your core for any given exercise. When the kettlebell is too light, you have no resistance and you end up just almost kind of flinging your body. Yeah. Like flailing in, in the wind. Inappropriate. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, 
I don't want any of you flailing in the wind unless you are intentionally frolicking through a meadow in the wind, <laughs> but in the world of kettlebells, <laughs> in the world of kettlebells, you, uh, you will find a happy weight for the kettlebell exercises, but traditionally speaking, you have less likelihood of perhaps less likelihood of hurting yourself if you find an appropriate weight where it feels challenging and you really feel that resistance versus going too light. So let's talk about some of my favorite moves. Um, and so in terms of like the fundamentals of the moves I'm going to talk about, a lot of the fundamentals are the same as many fundamentals in the world of strength and conditioning that I've spoken about. Um, I ha- we have an entire episode on form and a lot of those mechanics also apply to kettlebell kettlebells. So let so, me guess, um, I'm going to, uh, engage my core, mm-hmm. uh, engage and- your core by pretending like someone has punched you in the stomach and you're sucking your belly button in towards your spine. Right. I'm going to, um, not use my shoulders as earrings. So I'm going to have mm-hmm. my shoulders locked down and back. Yes. Um, I'm going to do things like make sure that my knees are going, uh, over my toes instead of like way out in some crazy direction. Yep, exactly. So everything is tracking properly. Those are some sure. of my like, yeah, uh, favorite uh, general form things yeah. that you've taught me. Yeah, always have your uh, shoulders locked down and back away from your ears. And yeah, so those are a lot of the the basic form mechanics. Um, and then I also feel like we, I also feel like in the world of kettlebell training, the what I've learned and what I've experienced just in my own kettlebell training, sometimes kettlebell training or oftentimes it's even more effective than just traditional strength training with like dumbbells and barbells because sometimes it actually forces your body to fire up certain muscles. Like it actually, like doing a a kettlebell swing, like if I don't brace my core, I will feel it in my lower back within the first rep. And then I know if I feel it in my lower back in my first rep, I know to lock in my core, suck in my belly and do that Kegel. And then it's fine. Whereas, you know, you know, there are so many exercises where it's kind of easy to fake it. Right. right? You can kind of get away so, with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like even just a basic squat. If you are doing like a couple practice ones and your core, it's not good for you if your core is not engaged, but with a kettlebell, it's like, it won't even happen. Like the move won't even happen. So, all right, let's talk about some of my favorite moves. Yes. All right. Uh, shall we start with the kettlebell thing? We may as well. <laughs> well, it's in our, our intro. It right? is. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I want to start with the kettlebell swing because I do feel like the kettlebell swing is probably the most important, common, traditional, uh, an effective move out there in the kettlebell world. So oftentimes, so the kettlebell swing, what it looks like is the kettlebell starts on the ground in front of the person about a foot and a half in front of the person. And then the person standing behind it in their athletic stance and they place their hands on the kettlebell with their shoulders down and back. Athletic and stance, you mean like legs uh, further soft, than soft, Yeah. Apart. Legs wide, soft bend in the knees and the hips back. And then that's when you essentially drag the kettlebell on the ground until it lifts off, it it goes behind your butt. And then you strain your whole body as you swing your kettlebell to chin level. And then the kettlebell, you let it swing underneath your kind of butt cheeks again. It almost touches your butt cheeks behind you. And then you swing it up again. So the reason why this looks so intense is because it it does look intense. (laughs) Um, But what I want to really stress is that a kettlebell swing is not a squat. So one of the reasons why kettlebell moves are so important is they require a full extension of the hips. The beauty of the majority of kettlebell exercises is the power comes from the hips and not the knees. Unless you're actually doing a squat with a kettlebell, which is a totally separate exercise than a swing, for the most part, the power is not in your, or the, the knees are not taking any load. The purpose of the kettlebell swing is to not squat but it's to hinge your hips back as if you're doing a deadlift. So when you do a kettlebell swing, you should be feeling it in 
the hamstrings, the glutes, and the abs, and that is it. Your arms are dead weight, like completely dead weight. The arms are not a factor. If your shoulders are locked down and back and your lats are engaged, the kettlebell should feel weightless at the top, even if it's like a, you know, 25 kilogram kettlebell or something on the heavier side. And that's another reason why the kettlebell has to be an appropriate weight. Meaning if it's too light, uh, if it's too light, what's going, what I've seen happen, what I see happen pretty much, I would say a few times a day, if someone actually starts off with a kettlebell too light, and then it just becomes this arm exercise where they swing the kettlebell kind of below their butt, and then they just stand up and they lift the kettlebell in front of them. And that is not the purpose of the exercise at all. Kind of like a forward shoulder raise. Um, perfectly fine as an exercise, of, but it's not what we're doing. <laughs> perfectly fine as an exercise with a dumbbell or uh-huh. with two, two dumbbells. Yeah. But in the case of this kettlebell swing, the only things that are really working are your hamstrings, your glutes, your hips, and your abs. So it, it's a total body move in the sense that it's working so many different things all at the same time. The fundamentals are really critical for this one. And then also the exhale is really critical as well. So exhaling as you swing up, the kettlebell goes no higher than chin level. And then, so the breathing is very important, but the, one of the main reasons why this is one of the most powerful moves is because your heart rate is going to get up so high. So you can do swings with one arm. You can do them with two arms. You can do them with one arm switching in the air. That's very common. And then the, uh, and then I've also seen double arm kettlebell swings. I just, full disclosure, I personally have never done a double arm kettlebell swing. You mean like where there's a, like uh, you're yeah, holding two kettlebells? You're holding two kettlebells. That yeah. sounds advanced. We don't need to do that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So that is, um, I would say that's one of the most traditional kettlebell moves. I would say that is like the most traditional kettlebell move. Uh, people always say like, you know, you get so ripped doing kettlebell exercises. I mean, you know, I don't really like speaking in that like language. That being said, um, doing kettlebell work, it forces so many muscles to stabilize and work so hard to keep the bell from essentially like flying into the air or flying out in front of you. It's like you have to control so many things within your movement that the ability to, to develop lean muscle mass can happen very quickly when you start kettlebells. So Awesome. Oh, uh, yay. Do you have another favorite kettlebell exercise that we should yeah, mix in? Yeah, definitely. So there are these ones I'm just going to touch on. I almost feel like for the correct form, it would be a little bit more beneficial to have like an actual video. But I'll find um, some videos and put them in the show notes. Yeah. So a kettlebell clean is when you are able to grab essentially a kettlebell from the ground and in one fell swoop kind of rack it kind of onto your shoulder. So a clean when you do a barbell is when you, with proper form, you you clean something, you kind of drag the bar up your body and then it racks in front of your chest with your elbows out and your hands holding the bar. So you can do kettlebell cleans, um, a, a jerk. A jerk is when a jerk is a type of movement you do when you are pressing something heavy overhead, but it's so heavy that in order to get under it, you actually have to bend your knees to get under it. And then once your arm is fully locked out, then you straighten up. This is once again in the barbell world, in the Olympic lifting world, um, in the strength training world. I mean, it's just you can do a, a jerk shoulder press. A lot of people do that all the time with the kettlebell. Same thing. If you're getting the kettlebell overhead, you get the kettlebell up at the same time as dropping underneath it, bending your knees a little bit. And then once your elbow is locked out, then you straighten your whole body. And then the snatch, the snatch is a, also a common move in which the kettlebell or barbell from one swell, like one fell swoop, it goes from the ground very fluidly up above your head. 
Ideally. Um, these, uh, yeah, yeah, ideally. So all of these are really great to do with kettlebells. If there, there may be some of you out there who have done cleans and jerks and snatches with barbells, and then you can absolutely do those same things with kettlebells. So there, there's that. And then I think the kind of penultimate kettlebell move is called the Turkish getup. And Whoa, that, is that sounds move, exciting. Yeah. I know it is. It's really exciting in the sense that it works pretty much every major muscle group, um, mainly also challenging shoulder stability. And the way the Turkish getup works is you start on the ground, and this is just a very general um, overview of the Turkish getup, but you begin on the ground with a kettlebell in one arm extended straight up into the air. And it's a series of very set movements in which you end up standing at the top, fully locked out, fully extended with the kettlebell above your head. And then you do a series of movements to get back down to lying on the ground. So the Turkish get up is something that really challenges shoulder stability, glute strength, core strength, and upper body strength as well. Also so, really good yeah. if you ever have to get up off the ground while holding something really heavy above your head. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And it also really challenges your kettlebell technique because you cannot let your wrist bend backwards ever with a kettlebell. So that's a kettlebell fundamental is that when the kettlebell is locked out overhead, um, it always needs to be with a strong wrist, so never bend back. And then your elbow has to be locked out as well. And your shoulder has to stay in its socket while you are, and the kettlebell stays in the air while you are maneuvering, maneuvering yourself. That one is back, hard to describe to what it looks like, but I'll include a video um, of how to do it in case you get excited and want to do some yeah. Turkish getting ups. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So the general consensus from what I've been hearing from people is that, is that, uh, kettlebells are really fun and I think it's it's because it switches things up and the workouts are really efficient and they're kind of interesting and entertaining and different and just very unique compared to dumbbells and I, I honestly think that that's why people seem to really like them so much um, and 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 another thing too I for this might sound weird the moves actually do, once you start the kettlebell moves, they do feel organic in your body. Mm-hmm. As weird as that is to say. Well, as I, weird as I think it makes say. sense that like the more of your body you're using, the more it feels like you're doing a complete movement instead of sort of like isolating one muscle. Um, yeah. And so because the kettlebell movements tend to have momentum involved, um, that does kind of make sense to me that it, it feels more um, integrated into your body. Yeah, exactly. You know, if we think about efficiency, if we think about functional training in day-to-day life, we don't necessarily do bicep curls, you know, like, yes, we are activating our biceps when we are picking things up and when we are, but I, we did a whole episode on functional training and functional training is when you perform movements that mimic things you would do in day-to-day life. And traditionally functional training is, functional training moves would use so many muscle groups all in one go, like as many as like eight, 10, 12 different muscle groups in one exercise and one movement. And pretty much every single kettlebell movement out there, you are using almost every major muscle group. And but see, the thing is, that's not to say like, I don't love me a good bicep curl, right? Right. Because then we, we, yeah, we have entered into a space in which we, we do like those kind of, I don't even know what to call them anymore. I used to call them like sculpting moves. I know that that was more a, that's isolated a, moves, more isolated moves, if you will. Yeah. It's like those, those buzzwords toning and sculpting. So yeah, I think, I think when done safely or like following all the kettlebell safety mechanic, uh, the safety protocol of, you know, making sure you have space around you, making sure you're, properly dressed you know also here's a funny thing a lot of people do kettlebell training barefoot i see a lot of people doing strength training barefoot too because oftentimes running shoes throw off your alignment like i can't do any kettlebell work in 
running shoes. Because running um, shoes are designed just to go forward. They're designed, and back. yeah, yeah. Running shoes, they're, they're almost too supportive, too squishy. Um, so I like to do my kettlebell work barefoot or in cross training shoes, which have a completely flat, which have a completely flat bottom. It makes you just feel a little bit more grounded. So, so going over um, safety mechanics, once again, it's making sure that, well, as with anything, make sure you're in like good physical condition to start some type of exercise program. Be aware of your surroundings. Make sure you are in shoes without cushy soles. So, but then some people think, well, working out barefoot is not safe, but, you know, let this be your own judgment because like I said, in the world I'm in now, it's a lot, a lot of kettlebell work is done barefoot. I think and it also it, depends where you're doing it. If you're, in, yeah, where you're doing you're, it. Yeah. yeah. If you're in your gym, there yeah. are probably rules about where you do and do not need to wear shoes. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And then according to all the, the Instagram videos I've been seeing with my friends doing kettlebell work. Yeah, they're they're in their socks at the gym. So, <laughs> so um, it's it's totally based on what you feel comfortable. And then now I'm really happy about the fact that so many shoes are coming out that are kind of designed a little bit more. You can still do cardio in them, but they have the weight training and cross training in mind. Yeah, and, and that's then, something to ask about when you buy your shoes. Um, the last time mm-hmm. I bought shoes for working out, I said. Um, I'm not looking for straight up running shoes. I'm looking for stuff where I'm mostly going to be using it in the gym for cross training, but I can also run a couple miles if I need to. And they were like, great, I know exactly what to get you. So that's yeah, a thing that exactly. exists. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many knowledgeable people out there when it comes to appropriate attire. Um, as with all types of training, make sure you build up your training load gradually and listen to your body. And that way you, A, don't hurt yourself. Um, and that way you, B, can continue doing these exercises from week to week because you didn't overload yourself your very first workout. And I know I did just say like, don't go too light, but when you start off, find that happy weight in which you were doing an exercise and you're feeling it in all the right places. And you don't just feel like you're flailing through flailing in the wind. Um, and then also with kettlebells, uh, knowing the hips are, the hips are, I, I feel the hips play a bigger part in kettlebell work than pretty much anything else. So making sure that you are always hinging your hips back to keep your lower back safe. Um, you know, naturally athletes move from their hips, never from their back, never from their knees. So hip first movement is really the safest for your back and your knees and the most powerful. So the proper hip hinge is if you were to stand up straight and place your hands kind of right into your hip flexors. And if you were to just bend your knees a little bit and then keeping a flat back, just push your hips back as your back goes flat and reaches down, that's a hip hinge. So that's the proper form for so many moves like kettlebell deadlifts, any deadlifts. It's a hinge from the hips. It's not a squat. So the the bend comes from your hips, not from your knees. So that's like a big fundamental Thing. So there's no, no slouching ever. You're never bending backwards. You're never bending forwards, um, staying tight through the wrists, uh, loose through your arms. And really, if you follow those, uh, yeah, like once again, never ex- hyper extending your wrist. So bending your wrist back and always keeping your shoulders in your socket, locking your elbows straight and always taking care of your hands too. So maybe you want to wear some gloves, um, you know, that's the thing. Some, the, the, the consensus on gloves is a little bit 50, 50. So you mean in you terms might of develop, whether they help or hurt? Yeah. Yeah. You might just want to develop some calluses and let yourself <laughs> be okay with that. And let yourself be okay with that. And yeah, but for the most part, it is pretty smooth. Uh, when I do kettlebell work, I have to take off my wedding rings. Yeah. I was going to say that I usually only develop, um, like, uh, callus or blister if I forget to take off my rings first. Yeah, totally. I have the little balls on the insides of my rings to prevent them from like from the diamond from like going side to side. Mm -hmm. And if I ever do kettlebell work with my rings on, it's those balls that like dig into my fingers (laughs) and yeah. And that's just never fun. So, so that's just like proper kettlebell safety I think I really want to stress like that hip hinge again. And you can do deadlifts with kettlebells. There are so many things you can do traditionally 
or like things that you could do with dumbbells and barbells, like deadlifts, shoulder press, you can also do those with kettlebells. There are other moves too. Um, you can do kettlebell lunges. You can do, so really I feel like we kind of scratch the surface with the big moves that really are specific kettlebell moves. That being said, you can totally do kettlebell squats in which you just kind of hold the kettlebell to your chest the way you would hold like a dumbbell, a plate, a bar. You can totally do kettlebell squats in which the kettlebell is actually like dangling in front, uh, kind of in between your feet when you squat and it just is added resistance. You can do kettlebell jump squats that way. You can do an upright row in which you you know, when you have the kettlebell in front of you and you just lift the kettlebell to your chest and your elbows go up a little bit and you feel that in your upper back. There are so many more things you can do with the kettlebell, like all those things I just lift, listed. And those, I would say, are traditional exercises in life that the kettlebell fits into. But the things I spoke about, like the swing and the Turkish getup, in my mind, are like traditional kettlebell exercises. I have seen people do dumbbell swings and I have seen people do Turkish getups with the dumbbell. Both are fine. They're not as effective as doing those two moves specifically with the kettlebell. Awesome. Uh, well, mm -hmm. I feel like this is a good sort of roundup of, um, the kettlebells deal. Should I do a little takeaway here? Yeah. So I remember? Um, so kettlebells are in our logo. If you want to know what they are, they're like a round, heavy ball that has a handle. Um, and um, they are an old thing. They come from Russia in like the 1700s when they were used as weights for like weighing stuff. But then a bunch of sexy farmers started throwing them around. Uh, and then uh, they became something that got used for building strength. Um, and what makes them different from dumbbells is that dumbbells are really balanced and stable, whereas kettlebells are on purpose unbalanced and unstable, which means your body and your muscles have to do the stabilizing, which is good for you. Um, and so we can do um, kettlebell swings. We can do um, a bunch of sort of like traditional weightlifting type moves um, with uh, kettlebells. Um, and we'll have some videos in the show notes so that you can see how to do that. Um, you can also use them for um, moves that weren't necessarily designed for kettlebells, but like uh, doing deadlifts and doing rows and all sorts of things, but the kettlebell makes it fun and different. Um, and we are going to want to make sure that we're on top of our form when we do these things. We're going to make sure that we're um, uh, doing our hip hinge the way that Daphne says to do it so that we're not putting, putting the... Uh, um, strain on our lower back or in our knees, um, and we'll keep our shoulders down and back and use our cores and all that good stuff. Uh, and we're not going to be afraid to lift heavy because um, using kettlebells that are too light can actually be worse for you. Um, yeah, I feel like that, that was, was a pretty good roundup, away. right? Yeah, that was an awesome roundup. Um, if you integrate kettlebells into your workout this week, um, let us know. We'd love to hear what you're doing. Um, and, uh, and, and maybe we'll see if, if we have some, uh, I think I have some good, uh, photos actually of me doing kettlebell swings with you at, uh, Sweatshed. So I'll see oh, if I yeah. can post some of those too. Uh, cool. Well, thanks for introducing us to kettlebells, Daphne. You're welcome. feature we call best choice where I bring up a restaurant that is a, a common restaurant around the country uh, and Daphne helps us take a look at the menu and see uh, not what we would get there for like a treat or whatever but if we're stuck there or we're there on like a road trip and we're looking to um, put together a meal that feels uh, as nutritious as we can um, while still being not a bummer, uh, Daphne's going to help us figure it out. Um, and uh, often when I'm coming up with ideas for this um, segment, I look at like the top um, like fast casual and fast food restaurants in the country, and there's one that's in the top ten that we have not talked about yet, and that is Burger King. And I think the reason I haven't brought it up is that I don't know the last time I ate at a Burger King. 
And I know. I actually don't know the last time I ate there either. It was a and while I don't ago. know why. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I think McDonald's I mean, is just so prevalent that like, yeah. Uh, but Burger King is like, there are a lot of Burger Kings and a lot of people are eating there. Um, and it tends to be the kind of thing that you find at like, you know, where if you're stopping on a road trip or you're like at an airport. Um, so, uh, I thought it was just about time that we talk yeah. about Burger King. So growing up, I lived off of certain things. <laughs> I lived off of specifically Pizza Hut, just cheese and pepperoni. Mm-hmm. I lived off of the filet fish at McDonald's and I lived off of the original chicken sandwich at Burger King. So I actually have very fond, fond, fond memories of Burger King. It was always a treat. Like whenever, whenever, like for some reason, my grandparents didn't cook dinner. My mom would just like pick up like eight chicken sandwiches for a whole family because that's like how many people we had in the house and, and like a whole bunch of like fries and soda. And it was just always so fun. And she would just bring it home on her or my dad and her would bring it home on their way home from work. And this was like on the rare occasions that they were, they were actually like home for dinner. So I, and then whenever we were maybe on a weekend grabbing lunch, it was always the original chicken sandwich. What? So I, like I said, very fond memories of Burger King. I haven't been in a while. I think in my adult life, I have not been, um, so I'm excited to do our best choice at Burger King. Okay. So, um, yeah, like you said, Joanna, if you're, <laughs> if this is something that you, this, this is a, a certain type of experience in which you just want to, you know, really you, like, like yeah. you just eat whatever you want. Like, that's fine. Yeah, you do know? your thing. Amazing. Get whatever so you want. So I'm kind of looking for something that makes, maybe is maybe the word I'll use is a little bit more sensible. Or, yeah, or nutritious. What, like, what can we yeah. get out of it? I mean, yeah. if, if, our, if we have a goal other than just, like, satisfying a craving yeah. or eating something that tastes good. Totally. And we're looking yeah. for some nutritious nutrition value, where are we yeah. going to look? So I'm going to tell you what I would do pretty much in any type of burger situation. Mm -hmm. So I would actually just do, I would actually do a burger and a salad. Mm -hmm. That's, that's kind of what I would do. So in terms of the burger, so there's no impossible burger. Ah, I was going to say, um, that is actually something that Burger King just made news for, which is that by the end of the year, you're going to be able to get uh, the impossible burger, the impossible That's burger awesome. at Burger King. So the, oh, if you cool. haven't had the impossible burger yet, it's a vegan burger, um, that is like all the rage. Um, and, uh, vegans and vegetarians are very excited about it being available at such a big <laughs> chain. Um, so they do have a veggie burger. Um, it's yeah, like, just the morning star, right. Which is also good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but keep yeah. an eye out. I, or I assume that keeping an eye out for the Impossible Burger eventually as it comes into more and more stores would be a good place to look. Mm-hmm. So this is honestly what I would do. Like if this were me, mm-hmm. I would get the double Whopper mm-hmm. and I would get just like a big salad, one that has no meat on it. And then what I would do is I would most likely get rid of the bun and I would probably just eat those two burger patties on the salad. Burger salad. Yeah, that sounds like a perfectly good meal to me. So that's what I would do. Yeah. Um, One thing that is often like a challenge for me when I'm at a fast food place is I don't really have rules for myself about like, um, you know, not eating dairy or like don't eat the fries or like stay away from bread. But I do try to be as conscious as I can about eating meat. And like, I just can't get away from the fact that I feel weird about eating meat at fast food restaurants because I know it's like the most mass produced mass market meat that you can find basically. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I am really excited about the idea of more, um, veggie based burgers being available at fast food places because, um, you know, it just, I feel like it, increases my options, which I'm very excited. Yeah. I'm really excited too, for the impossible burger to become mainstream. I actually have some friends who are investors in it. And I feel like, 
Yeah, and I feel like it's... So I bet they're very excited uh, for it to become mainstream. Big time. It's the next big thing. Like, it's definitely the next big thing. I think because also there's... uh, this might be a separate conversation, but just the beef industry in general, you know, everyone talking about like how bad that is for essentially like the planet. Right. Um, but yeah, separate conversation. So yeah, I feel like within a fast food scenario, there are so many ways to kind of mix and match things based off of kind of your like almost like moral codes and like what you feel your body and soul kind of want or need at a given moment. I like the idea of combining things of not just feeling like, Oh, I have to be like the jerk who orders a salad at Burger King. And what I really want is a burger. I always, yeah, I always, I feel like I do that pretty frequently too, where I'll order quite a few things to kind of piece together my own meal. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. I think that there's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's like mix and match, right? Totally. <laughs> and that's the benefit yeah. of going to a fast food place where all the elements are relatively cheap. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, very true. Cool. Uh, well, next time we're on a road trip, we'll have some burger salads uh, with Daphne. <laughs> <laughs> They're pretty good, too. I, I definitely do that. Awesome. I mean, not a Burger King, but I go to Bear Burger all the time, and uh, that's, that's my jam. There you go. Thanks, burger Daphne. Salad. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Just One More with Joanna and Daphne. Our show is hosted by Daphne Yang and me, Joanna Shawflam. We're produced and edited by me. Our theme music is by Hannah vs. The Many, who you can hear at hannahvsthemany.com. We'll be back next week. You can make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing to Just One More on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or whatever you use to listen to podcasts. For show notes, help subscribing, and to join us on Patreon, you can go to our website, justonemorepodcast.com. Let us know what you think. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Just One More Pod, on Facebook at facebook.com slash Just One More Podcast, or you can email us at info at Just One More Podcast.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.